Hello and welcome. This is Expulsion at 50, a podcast series created to commemorate the 50-year anniversary of the expulsion of Asians from Uganda. My name is Dolliver Sani. In June 2021, I interviewed Maya Palmer, the author of the book, Reading Cultural Representations of the Double Diaspora, Britain, East Africa, Gujarat, published in 2019. Maya highlights the work she did for the 40th anniversary and shares her thoughts on this podcast series. I hope you enjoy listening to our conversation. One thing that I worry about, and I'm sure lots of people, including yourself, worry about, is that these stories are so close to being lost now. Um, you know, as 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 I get older, as the generation above me get older, um, these stories will disappear and memories will be- begin to erode. And that's why um, something like your podcast is so important and it's so timely as well. And it's it's wonderful the thing that you've grasped upon the 50th anniversary to um to to kind of capture some of these stories and some of these memories because um they will disappear and up until now we haven't we haven't um we haven't done the work we need to in in kind of recording them So I have a research interest in um, South Asian diasporic cultural um, expressions of identity, forms of belonging, um, and for a long time it's been particularly focused on what I describe as the double diaspora. Um, So now I work at the Open University as a postdoctoral researcher. I have an honorary research fellowship at the University of Exeter. My research is within English literature, um, so you might see me kind of waving a range of books at you whilst we're talking and referring to lots of literature, because that's my, that's kind of my specialism. So my mum and dad are both from Kenya. So they both have a heritage stemming back to Gujarat. I was born here and I think I would describe here as home now. And actually, interestingly, I conducted some oral histories with my parents in the run up to going to Kenya. And I think they would both describe Britain as home now too. Had you always been interested and curious about your history? became alive to that history very late on really I think it was only when I when I went to so at university I studied English literature in my final year I did a course in post-colonial literature um, which suddenly I felt like my eyes were opened I suddenly thought my god this is where this is where I am I can finally see something of me and who I am um, in in this world of uh, university academia of this world of English literature and the humanities um, and it sparked my imagination so I went on to do a master's in post-colonial and cultural studies within the English department at the University of Leeds and it was again there that I was able to hone this interest and uh, begin to realise that um, 
very few people in the contemporary period were thinking about or interested in the story of the South Asian community um, who had been in East Africa and then who had come to Britain. And when I looked at who was looking at it within uh, literature, that that suddenly became like nil. Nobody was nobody had done anything, and nobody was had in, was interested in that. I mean, there had been work in sociology or in history, particularly when the South Asian community were in East Africa. So there has been writing about um, the expulsion itself, um, and there may be some following up on that within the disciplines of like history or sociology um but back then it was very sparse so maya why do you think that was and what shows up when you ask that question yeah well so that's what my research what my phd research was really it was kind of one of the questions it was looking at it's like well especially when you thought about and you know i keep talking about back then because this research was i was doing this around 10 years ago especially when you looked at back then when um there was a huge interest in South Asian in, in the South Asian diaspora. So um, you had kind of you'd have your like Brick Lane or when if we think about popular culture, you had um, East is East or you had Bend It Like Beckham. You had all those stories. Right. But actually, where was the story about people like us? We are such a large population, really, when you think about it. There, there are so many of us in Britain. I mean, whenever you talk to a South Asian often um, you'll find out that they have some sort of twice migrant background. So yeah, it's an absolutely pertinent question. Why? Um, why does there exist that gap? I think it was for a couple of reasons. I mean, they've actually been relatively on the whole quite successful um, when they've come to Britain. And so they're often held up as an example of like um, the migrant who's done really well. And because of the success, I suppose they're kind of marginalized within that story. We're not talked about because there's no need to really talk about us other than say oh look these are the South, South Asians that have done really well. I think the other thing is that um, the twice migration often also means that they're hidden amongst the wider uh, South Asian diaspora so because they haven't come directly from India and there's that kind of um, twice movement um, suddenly they become hidden and they become lost within the wide, wider South Asian diaspora. There has for a long time been Maybe an uninterest, maybe a, a lack of lack of interest in being in investing in the arts, and that lack of investment in the arts has me meant that we've been hidden in, in some ways. Um, why there's a lack of investment? Well, that's a whole other question, isn't it? I wonder if it's something about the fact that the majority of East African Asians were business people coming from a mercantile community. Like you say, it's a mercantile com community of, of Gujaratis, right? Even though they've been successful, their their narrative does involve multiple forms of upheaval, and the expulsion, you know, was was a, abrupt and particularly traumatic. Um, and so, perhaps what has been at the forefront of the of the community's mind is um, creating home and belonging and security and stability. And maybe the arts haven't factored into that. Okay, so let's let's talk a little bit about the, you know, in, in 2014, was it 2014, 2012 would have been the 2012. 40-year was the 40-year anniversary. So how did that kind of come on your into your lap? 
you know, back then there wasn't really a lot of work being done on it. And when I was kind of, when I became aware of what was going on in, in 2010 and that this anniversary was coming up, there weren't many people working on it. So I really felt that um, it was an important opportunity to commemorate the expulsion, but not only that, to draw attention to the wider experiences of deracination that happened to um, the populations in Kenya and, and Tanzania. Um, because whilst the Ugandan expulsion was particularly abrupt and traumatic, um, it tends to garner much more interest than the other forms of deracination in the region that happened during the same period. Um, and I think that's probably expected and, it, and it's probably, um, you know, it's probably natural. But I saw the anniversary as a way to kind of commemorate the expulsion, but all, also the wider experiences that the South Asians had in Kenya and Tanzania, kind of drawing our attention to this idea of the double diaspora, so the people that have been moved or have moved twice, because we often think of South Asians, when we think about them in Britain, we think about them coming from India and then coming to Britain. And it's a very simple, like, one place to another, um, you know, like, homeland to host country movement, whereas actually it's not. And um, this, the, the double diaspora's experience um, highlights that. The way people move is much more complicated and much more complex. And, of course, that... that um, that has uh, that reflects in their experiences there the way that they um, the the way memory works the way belonging works so that's one other thing I wanted to do was commemorating the 40th anniversary and the and the final thing was when we think about um, South Asians that have moved to East Africa and then come to Britain we tend to think of Leicester. Um, everyone kind of thinks of Leicester because of the way in which they've um, the way in which they've regenerated parts of the city, for example, the Golden Mile, um, and the way that they're quite populous there. But of, of course, uh, this this community exists elsewhere. They exist all over Britain, and they've been doing it. I mean, there are plenty of this community in Scotland, um, and they and they're doing similar things elsewhere. So in Leeds, where I was then, and where I held the commemoration event. And so I wanted to say, hey, look, everyone, we've got a community in Leeds as well. And there are lots of them around the country. And um, let's look at this anniversary. Let's remember it and see what happens. But let's think of the other forms um, of, of less popular identity and belonging that exist, exist within this community. So what did expulsion 40 years on entail? Ultimately, what expulsion 40 years on involved was um, kind of a community day in the city centre, in the museum where people came and we had um, kind of storytelling. We had food, um, Gujarati uh, East African food available. Um, we had Yasmin Ali by Brown come and perform her play um, Nowhere to Belong. Um, and then running alongside that, we had um, I had an educational element where we went into primary schools and we tried to run workshops on uh, food, music and dance to, to kind of think about um, themes of migration and the expulsion and those sorts of things. And the, then the article that you waved at me at the beginning of this, um, at the beginning of this talk um, came from that, basically. It was, a, it was another way of kind of commemorating the 40th anniversary, but also the events that, um, that I delivered, producing something in written form, something that, was, that had kind of longevity.
As you know, this podcast series has been created to commemorate the 50-year anniversary, which happens next year in 2022. So for you, Maya, what have been some of the main takeaways as a listener? And that's one of the things I've enjoyed so much about the podcasts that I've been able to listen to um, in your series. It's that intricacy of detail that they offer those those kind of like um you know those everyday experiences that you don't really hear about in other forms you know in, in the history text the kind of um I think uh, you know the one day you're like oh well it, you know dad's saying it, it doesn't apply to us it's we're citizens it's okay and then a couple of days later realizing actually the realization you can hear it in the voices of your um participants when they're remembering it the realization that actually this uh, this horrible statement that armies put out it it is actually gonna apply to us and actually like how many days is left and you don't get that um in in other forms and um, but in your podcast you can really hear it and I really like that within within what you're offering is it's um it's very interesting and also very saddening often to hear people recall those memories one of the other things that I really like is the variety it offers it really adds um shades of of kind of gray to an experience that might otherwise look very black and white if you look at it in the history books I mean um not only do you have the details there that I just described um I caught a bit of Vanita Ben's um story and that was I mean it was lovely to hear the Gujarati and the expressions in Gujarati as well um I, so I think that's one of the other uh, huge strengths that the podcasts um, have because it allows a range of voices to be heard that would other, otherwise be be lost. So moving forward, do you have any suggestions and any closing remarks? Have you thought about how the material that you're producing is going to be archived in the long term? Because um, YouTube and Spotify are good contemporary platforms, but they are a little bit um, unstable. So it's in, in some ways, we don't know what would happen to the material in 10, 15 years time. Whereas um, places that hold uh, more formalized archives like the British Library or maybe the National Archives, um, if they are interested in taking on your material as a body, as a body, they can make some sort of commitment to the way that they're going to host it and look after it. So that's the one thing I, I might be thinking about if I was you, kind of the longevity and how how the material that's very precious that you're producing is going to be looked after um, in the very long term. But I also think we've come a long way in 10 years since I was working. And so, yeah, I definitely think that um, we're moving moving in the in the right direction to, to ensure these memories aren't forgotten. Feel free to share this podcast with your friends and family. You're also most welcome to post any comments. Thank you for listening. Until next time, keep well and stay safe.